0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. We have the second and final part of our look back celebrating the life of the great Canadian IndyCar driver Greg Moore, lost October 31st, 1999, the Fontana Super Speedway, the CART IndyCar season finale. Moore, honored here by his dear friends Dario Franchitti, Max Pappas, Paul Tracy, And former CART PR director Mike Zizzo, who's back looking after the series today, try to bring you inside who the man was, the person who made such a vivid impact and held so much promise, cut down before he'd reached his prime. That's the sole motivation for the discussion you'll hear bringing Greg into your world today. For those that loved him, maybe there are some new stories you'll hear. For those who learned about Greg after his passing, hopefully his great friends can bring him to life in a way that maybe you haven't had a chance to receive before. So let's get going with Greg Moore at 20 on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Guys, it was a couple years ago at Indianapolis, where I had a younger member of the media come to me who knew that I knew Greg, and say, hey, I've seen he won like five races or something. What's the deal? People talk about Greg with such great reverie, but why? The numbers genuinely don't match. And had to explain to him that, no, if you're judging Greg based on a Wikipedia page, you wouldn't understand why we hold him in such high regard. So I figure now, with the 20th anniversary of his loss, it's a perfect opportunity to bring some of that context. Where should we start? Thinking back 20 years without Greg Moore, what comes to mind?
1: This should.
2: All right, I'll open. Um, I think when, when you see Greg and what we all saw in him was a tremendous talent. There's certain guys during different eras and generations that they got it. And he was a guy I think we'd all agree. He had incredible talent. We knew that it was just a matter of time he'd be a great champion, multiple champion, Indy 500 champion. He was the guy, and we all saw it. Off the track equally as cool that's what we really loved about him he brought the paddock together these guys together going to surface paradise and we'll get in that in a while but he was just all around just just an awesome guy and an awesome talent and i think we all appreciated it and enjoyed it what about you dario
0: again this we hate anniversaries like this but maybe it gives us a chance to share some love
3: yeah absolutely it's a it's a shit time of the year, actually, with this with Greg's anniversary. It's uh, people are like, "Oh, Halloween." I'm like, "Oh, god." Um, but to go back, to, I think the best way for new race fans, I think you've got to say, is "Go on YouTube, watch his races. Don't watch his crash. Watch his races. Watch some of the things he did." Um, I guess the the person that maybe he relates most to was another Canadian, Gilles Villeneuve. Yes. Look, look at the stats. Gilles didn't win a championship. Won a few races. But people still talk about him in this, these revered tones. Greg was the same. Watch what he did with a a racing car. We we all drove those crazy car cars. You know yeah. they they bit they bit hard, and he yeah he drove them with such abandon and such flair that uh, yeah I think that's what one of the reasons he was so loved by by the fans by by his fellow competitors. Um, and that, yeah, when, you know, when when you lose a driver when, when a driver dies most a lot of people will say oh yeah only good things people were saying good things about greg long before that he was you know he was already fan favorite um he was already all our friends he was
0: so well thought of and uh, you know 20 years hasn't dulled any of that max what about you you on top of holding a, a great passion for greg every day You were so proud of helping to organize the the latest Greg Moore celebration after the end of the the Portland race here. He seems like someone, even like a Jeff Krosnoff, who just lives inside of you. Every time I think about Greg, uh, uh,
1: I think about how much of a catalyst the guy was. It was Mm, amazing. Good word.
0: uh, He just looked that up.
1: You remember, I. I, I learned that on my dictionary. Do you remember how I was doing? <laughs> yes. yes. I, I learned that yesterday. I highlighted it on the dictionary. Well done. And I didn't learn about it. That's what I was doing every day when I came to the US. But, you know, the thing about Greg, you know, for me, as I told you, like, you know, it was a. Uh, it, it really. The, one of the reasons why I really loved him is the fact that he taught me something that I didn't know. You know, I, I remind you this, you know, I came from Europe. I was racing in F1, grew up over there, came over here. And uh, on my first trip to Australia, I have this guy sitting on my side who actually talked to me. And, uh, and then I, I went like, that's not possible. Like, you know, where I, where I came from, people didn't, the race car drivers didn't talk to each other. You know, unless there was something bad. Or it's whatever. your number one enemy. And it uh, and really changed my approach to the sport. You know, to it made me look the fact that I, you know, you could have be super tough on the track, uh, but that didn't mean that you couldn't share common, you know, feeling or uh, drink a beer after the race or doing something, or two like, or ten, or fifty, <laughs> <laughs> or two hundred. And, uh, you know, t- to me, it really changed the way I I looked at stuff. And uh, he was, uh, as I said, you know, he was the biggest reason, you know, for it. And, uh, and uh, I will, I cannot thanks him enough and as Dario said you know the numbers don't stack up you know when you look at the number it's actually funny what you just said you know I didn't even know that he only won 5 races to me in my book he won 50 and uh, the way he drove you know like that's, it's actually I'm really surprised about what you just told me uh, that 5 I went like really? 5? and uh, but I guess that you cannot measure someone just from the number yeah. standpoint. You know, the guy was immense uh, on and off the track. And uh, uh, I really believe that he's one of those guys that he happens once in a, in a generation. You know, like, I don't think you can really replicate anymore what happened in the, in the past. But to repeat what you were saying, you know, I, what I really love about the party that we throw at... Portland was that I enjoyed the fact that the younger generation, the Rosenquist, uh, the Veach, uh, they were able to Jack Harvey, Jack Ferrucci. Harvey, exactly, yep. you know. All these young guys, they, I, I, I kind of felt that in one way that night we did what Greg did with me that day when we flew back, when we flew down to Australia to say, hey guys, yeah, maybe you guys can knock each other off on the track, but you see... We can be brothers, and you know, and, uh, and I felt I hope that that uh, stuck in the brain because it did in mine.
0: Paul, you were already a big established star yeah. when Greg came in. Obviously, the leading light for Canadian IndyCar fans. We get this somewhat quiet, not sure, kind of st- you know upright. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Yeah. Well, yeah.
4: I, I, I knew of Greg long long before his IndyCar career because the parallels of my career and. And in his career early, the early stages of it were very similar because, you know, I mean, the glasses. You know, I wore glasses like that, and he wore the same glasses. Somebody so there's a telescope And then, that's not you right. know, <laughs> when, I was, when I was 16, I was, you know, won the Canadian Formula Ford Championship. And I started hearing about him just when he was finished karts. And uh, this was in about 90, 90 I think he started racing Formula Fords in Ontario. And you know that there was some newspaper articles said, oh, there's a kid racing out at Mosport, and he's like, he looks, he wears glasses like Paul Tracy, and he's he's tearing up the track out there. So I kind of got to hear a a lot of a lot of buzz about him, Formula Fords, and then uh, Formula Two Thousand. He won the championship, and then did you know kind of the same trajectory as me, Formula Ford, Formula Two Thousand, then a little bit of Atlantic. And then Indy Lights, and you know the the similarities are, you know, Formula Four champion, Indy Lights championship broke broke my record. I held the record for the most wins in Indy Lights. Then he came along and, See, and broke, broke that broke that yeah, yeah broke that record. And so I knew of knew him before he got to Indy cars, and he would come to me as a kid and ask for advice when he was in Indy Lights, and I was racing Indy cars at that time, and. He would just ask how the track is, and and uh, he really kind of the players deal was that was really a pro French Canadian program. They didn't have any yeah. in, in English speaking Canadians in that program. It was very pro Quebec uh, deal. So when he got into that that program, that was a pretty big deal. And uh, I was actually looking to get into that deal if it was if it was possible before I was with Penske with Marlboro and and ultimately ended up up there uh, for my championship years. So there's a lot of sim- similarities between his career and my career, you know, parallels.
1: And, Paul, I have a question for you. Uh, you basically were the dog, the Canadian guy you were winning races and uh, you were established, and uh, Canada is not a big country. Yeah. So when you had a guy like him, you know, with no disrespect, let's say, but. Like, Patrick Carpentier came as well, but Greg was on a completely different level. Yeah. You know, was it, you know, how the Canadian looked at it, you know, like or how you looked at it, was it like a threat, was it like where you you were welcoming him, you know, you were like You had to of share of, the limelight all of yeah, a sudden, that's, yeah. How was it? How did you feel? Uh,
3: well,
4: I mean, we've had we had a lot of good fast Canadians, obviously, you know, Jacques. Scott was fast, yes. and Jacques was very fast, he's, you know, he's he's the best Canadian, he's a world champion, and. IndyCar champion, so um, you know I was always always welcoming. You know, sure I would compete with you hard and not make it easy at all. I mean, you know, when I was teammates, when we were teammates, you were new to this, and I was, you know, I, there wasn't anything I held back from you secret Never. wise. Took you, you know, I said, "Hey, let's go get on my private plane and let's let's go right." Yeah, and, uh, big time. I mean, we ran each other hard. No
0: contact ever. Forward back on track. Yep. But like, it wake, was nudge, an, it's,
4: it's always – the way that I learned IndyCar racing from Emerson and Rick, it's – when I got into IndyCar, those guys helped me. They said, whatever my setup is here, you can have my setup. And that's the way I was taught from Emerson and Rick. Uh, not so much by Al and Michael mm. when I was teammates <laughs> with them, but Emerson and Rick were a very open book. To me, nothing to hide, and I, you know, I kind of treat everybody the same way. If somebody asks me a question, I tell them what it is.
1: So it was no was no problem to be the king Canadian and have a, a young guy kind of like feeling that was kind of taking the chairs out of your, you know, under from underneath you.
4: No, no, I didn't have have any issue with that. There's you know you, you you guys know that you've been been around on the paddock long enough that. You know, there's guys that you can go ask a question to and they're gonna completely bullshit you. Like uh, yeah. Robbie Gordon is, is one, like you ask him a question, he'll tell you the exact opposite of what's what's going yeah. on. And then there's guys that you can rely on for information. Did, when
3: I was at Hogan I used to come and ask you questions and you're like, Hey,
1: yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So when I saw Greg's dad Rick Moore at Portland and told him that we would be recording this, he had one one thing to say.
3: I don't wanna hear (laughs) that's what you used to tell us.
0: (laughs) We can't tell all the stories, right? No. There's an understanding that understood. Nonetheless, there are when I think of Greg Moore, I think of stories. And I know there are some that will be saved for some that are saved and told in non-public settings. This is something folks will be listening. (laughs) And the, the three of you are grinning like mad right now. I asked some of you to help me with some, you know, some of your favorite stories. Let's see how many we can get through here. Uh, the Australia to Milan trip. Should we start with that one? I was no. There were like two that. different trips. <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: there was a, there was that whole summer though. Yes, and the summer started. I mean, I didn't go home from June until December. We just traveled the the the, the world like we were like gypsies. We were just um, whether it was.
4: The, the Times were different then. We tested so much. we yeah. We'd gone nonstop. I mean, you were basically race to test to maybe a short vacation for a day or two, then test and race.
3: Yeah. But we had no attachments. We didn't have girlfriends. We didn't have wives. We didn't have. You know,
1: barely had houses at that yeah. point. I, I was renting a house. So. Yeah.
3: And so we we went round and we 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 did this did this tour around the races and just you know when we weren't racing and beating the crap out of each other on the track, we were you know partying or trying to play golf or riding yeah. bikes or.
1: All these but, but still being, uh, you know, pro in a way. That I think that th- I think it's important to send a message to the ki- to the young mm-hmm. generation because uh, it's not that it was all, uh, you know, bottle to throttle in 12, 12 hours. No. You know, it was uh, there was a time that uh, you were just a regular human being, and then a time that you were a badass rescue driver, and uh, mm-hmm. th- then you could very leave. clear boundaries. Yeah, very very clear boundaries. But those times where you were yourself. Uh, uh, there were the times when uh, we took the bus uh, <laughs> from uh, mid-Ohio. Ohio, cool. And uh, I was not allowed to drive the bus because Rick told Greg that if you have Max or Dario driving the bus, I, I, the it would be horrible. I was allowed to drive the bus. Uh, wow. so I wasn't. Uh, so the only one who was not allowed was me.
3: <laughs> I ended up having to drive really? it through Chicago. I'd never driven a bus before, and I'm driving this thing through Chicago, Russia, it's or traffic. It's a big Privos bus. But that was the trip where... So we'd stopped off in Cleveland after the Middle Highway, stopped off in Cleveland in the flats, in the flats for a night out. Um, on the next part of the journey, we're driving along, and all three of us were trying to do our deals for next year. And it was so you're driving along, uh, phone would ring. Oh, can somebody take over driving? I have to take this. So take over, you'd run in the back of the bus, you'd be in there talking to yeah. like, either my agent or a team owner. Then Max's phone would ring, I'm like, actually. I got to take this, and he'd run back into the bedroom. And a lot I of times, remember. we were all talking to the same team owner. And then Greg's <laughs> like, "Oh, I got to take this." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think any of us actually moved teams, but we, there were some shenanigans going on on that trip. But we never talked about it. We never said, "Oh, I'm talking to Bobby Rahal, or "I'm talking to Roger Penske, or "I'm talking none of that."
0: It was just wall that off. That was, professional. that was business.
3: That was business.
0: Yeah,
1: and and the business stopped at that door. You know, remember the back door. Uh, in Greg's bus when <laughs> we went there on the back and, and actually I didn't think about it the way you said you know but I, I actually now that you that you tell me I I recall that very really clear like that uh, there was a uh, this uh, unwritten boundary you know where we didn't even have to tell each other hey let, it was like okay this is this is us a uh, uh, car driver this is us the human being and uh, yeah. almost like a compartment on and off right yeah
3: I went to a test in Phoenix and at Firebird, and the, the, our guy, we were testing Wednesday, say, and I went there on the Tuesday to look at the track, and um, Greg and, and Chalice, were, they were testing, and I kind of walked up towards the tent, and I see Greg and Steve look, and Chalice walked up, and basically said, Got to go. Sling your hook. And I thought, at first I thought, ooh, and then I thought, no, no, absolutely, no, that's fair, fair I, shouldn't, not, I yeah. shouldn't have been there. Um, yeah, very, very clear boundaries.
1: But I agree with uh, Rick, there are certain stories... Uh, that uh, they're better not told.
0: The statute because, uh, of limitations. Greg, yeah, Greg's,
4: bu- Greg's bus though was like the the hangout spot of all the buses that because there was a group of guys that had buses. And me, there were not many. You, right? Tony had one. Robbie had one.
1: I don't think you, you did Herta, Herta had one. Yeah. Heard I had one, but
4: Tony I, had like, the Charlie Sheen bus. Literally. Oh no! Hundreds of hours were spent after everything was done. In Greg's bus, playing that fucking PlayStation
2: <laughs> with the fucking
4: rally game
2: <laughs> or, or,
4: or Gran Turismo. And I was pretty decent at it when it was like before PlayStation 2 came out, when you had to play with your thumbs and do the steering with your thumbs. But as soon as that joystick controller came out with the finger throttle, I was junk. And Done. you guys would lay down these times on on, like, on that Goddamn rally game <laughs> that where you go through the dirt and through the trees. Yes. I, I would get, I would play that damn thing for literally five hours a night, six hours a night. We'd be there till eleven o'clock at yeah. night every night of the weekend. I remember. We're none of us looking at data. Chalice was
3: there. <laughs> Robbie kind of was there. Beat Everything, each other. Yeah, out. and trying to shave hundredths of a second. Yeah, I remember the, the 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 kitchen. The kitchen. So when Max first came to to. America is very much Euro trash you know you you do not drink a a cappuccino you don't drink it after breakfast I had very clear rules very clear rules and then all of a sudden he's eating an olive garden but but before that Greg was like hey Max you gotta eat something you want some food want some pasta he's like this is not pasta this is macaroni and cheese (laughs) so maybe we need to tell the story
1: that you know on the mac and cheese so Greg hasn't Greg has not won a race yet you know I not much experience on an oval. I go and ask these guys about how to drive on an oval. wasn't asking it, me. I knew less no, than no, him. No, no, <laughs> like, yeah, That's for another story. Yes. Uh, we are in Milwaukee. I show up there in, in this famous bus, and I go there asking Rick and, and Greg, hey, I, I think I, I don't feel the limit. I think I need to crash. And and Greg, and Greg said, mm, you don't want to do that. And he says, yeah, but I can't feel... And, and Rick said, when he feels not good, come in. And I went, like, ah, old guy. <laughs> so that's when Greg at night offered me at about nine 10. Hey, I'm having dinner. And I see him, you know, for me, in Italy, dinner is like dinner. You sit down at the table. You have, a, you open up this, and he brings out this little blue box, mac and cheese by <laughs> and, I, and I go, is this dinner, bro? Uh, yeah, that's dinner. So I told him. If you win the race tomorrow, I will eat this shit for the next month and a half. What happened the day after on Sunday? Obviously, I destroyed my car. Crashed. He it. found the limit. Yeah, I found the <laughs> limit. Coming out of turn four, spam! Uh Greg ends up winning the race. I'm st- still beat up. Fire it on. Greg and Rick in winner's circle. I walk this way. And not a single word was exchanged. I looked up and I go, mac and cheese. And he go, you're screwed. <laughs> 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 that was the, com- the conversation. You know, and then that's it. I left and for about a month and a half. He came on Friday and Saturday. It made me this mac and cheese stuff, you know, dude. Like You're for an Italian guy. And now yeah. you give it to your kids, probably. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and every time I give them a, re- a I reminder, they say, this is the picture of this guy. That's why Dad learned about the mac and cheese stuff. Oh, my goodness. And, uh,
0: yes. So and one cheese. of the things that I love about Greg, and, <laughs> again, this, there are stories we can't tell, you look at photos of Greg, and it's just this angelic boy, little blonde-headed boy, must go to church every minute, <laughs> every, every minute of his life. You look at him, you could get that impression. If you didn't know him. you didn't know him, but then there's things like his fashion sense, oh, God. Oh, which my. might contribute to the belief that he was a bit of a nerd. Again, at, at night, he maybe disproved that a bit, but just share... Yeah, you're, you're, you're clearly having I mean, a moment, Max. You know,
1: I still have, in my wardrobe, that... You know, Greg was hooked up with those people at Hugo Boss... Uh, with uh, this lady. Don, this guy, Don. Don. Hugo Boss. I hooked up. I, I think they were exchanging what, what something
4: were those, more than... What were those goofy shoes that we used to get? Fluvog. Fluvog.
3: Uh, <laughs> <Flippin' shoes laughs> <look like> flippers. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the one that I 16. had at the party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one we
1: were drinking over at the party, yeah. And uh, so, he, he had this... He came over and said, dude, I, I have this suit. It's amazing. Hugo Boss. Hugo Boss Safari. And... But it looked like plastic. And when he passed, I went inside his wardrobe and I told Rick, I want to say, I need that. <laughs> and I got this John Fluvog shoes that I kept them with me. I used them at the party. And, uh, and actually, more than that, he actually convinced me that this Fluvog things was a great thing. So every time I went to Toronto to race or Vancouver, I always stopped at the John Fluvog. And I have these uh, shoes.
3: Above uh, pair too.
1: <laughs> yes. That, uh, I mean... Maybe you wear size ten, but they look like size twenty-five.
3: Yeah, the great <laughs> then, water skis.
1: Yeah. yeah, so it was. That's I said. You know, there was some fashion violation situation, and uh, or as you would always
3: say, fashion disaster, fashion disaster. Oh, fashion. And
1: he was actually proud of it.
3: Well, the fashion disaster was when you tried to wear his suit because your legs <laughs> oh, are yes. about this much longer. So you remember he was that skinny. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and it, it literally, there's this much between the shoes and, and, and the bottom of the, back, no, the he, trousers he was
1: already a very short <clears throat> suit for him I remember because when, when he wore them in Italy that he couldn't really move he was
3: like this <laughs> I he thought think he
1: looked cool yeah I think he bought like a size like three sizes too small but you know it yeah, shows he's, off it's still in my wardrobe and uh, sometimes my kids look at it and say Papi what's that uh, it's a
0: long story oh you got it <laughs> we, got, we need photos of that it's a long story oh, so let's bounce around a little bit a little bit, guys, as we start to close here a little bit. Let's talk about some Greg Moore on track experiences. There's some great wins in there. Uh, Michigan ninety eight, I think Dario's one that stood out in terms of dueling and whatnot. Let's let's shed some love on a guy who, again, maybe angelic if you thought in person Road behind America. the wheel, Animal. that guy was ready to just knock down Animal. the world.
3: So yeah, ninety eight, we'd had the the Hamford by then, and so that changed the style of racing on the super speedways. And the Target Team Vassar, Zanardi were obviously, and the Honda engine was strong. Mercedes maybe not quite quite so strong at that point, but um, we found out in later years um, when when Zanardi and 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 Jimmy got together, they told us the whole story. But um, Greg, they were working as teammates at, at Michigan, and they. They were sort of helping tow each other and they were, before the race, they were so confident they were going to win that they were, they'd were figured out a way to divvy up the prize money that they, that they could yeah. get more of the money wow. and more of the win bonus um, and basically get Chip's portion of it too. So they'd done this whole intricate deal that they thought um, they had it won because who could beat the two of them? Well, they didn't sort of really factor the kid from Maple Ridge and he out the pair of them on the last lap, and the tow was massive. It was like a 15, 20-mile-an-hour tow you could get on those cars. He out jewelled them both, pulled away, wins the race. He was, he was so happy to have done that, and it really burst the bubble of, of both Donardi and Jimmy. Jimmy got his own back, though, in uh, Fontana, because to win Fontana in 98 was a million dollars. Jimmy won the race, Greg finished second. They got sixty grand, (laughs) and uh, there must have been some Scotsmen because he was all about the money. Yeah, I'm sure it was a lot of Scotsmen. A lot of Scotsmen, and And Jimmy was
0: really nice. He didn't rub it in his face. Didn't rub it in his
3: face at all. We went to Vegas for a week afterwards um, for a little R and R. Get together after the season, yeah. And we had this bus, the Johnny Fever bus, (laughs) and um, the the million dollar novelty check was. Displayed. Yeah, so let me explain a little bit. The Johnny Bad. Fever bus was a bus that outside looked
1: like a Hertz bus, but inside has a, had a, a brass pole.
3: I mean a limousine. It was a limousine. A, a
1: limousine, oh, and uh, you know strobo strobo lights and big uh, sound system. And uh, it was he uh, was definitely not used just to he carry people. He was the people. first
4: guy to have party bus. He came party up bus. with this idea, and now every, there's party buses yep. everywhere right yeah. but this was that was 20, this was 20 years
0: ago yeah, it was 98 uh, it was definitely it, used to not just carry people that, that is right absolutely that is not that's a beautifully undersold line
3: <laughs> and every time greg walked into that bus after we were in some various club he would see that million dollar check jimmy Vassar. yeah and he just just a reminder
1: yep yeah but i said you know like a uh, uh, as greg uh, you know uh, his success were amazing you know like i remember him uh uh being uh you know so amazingly fast on an oval like uh, uh him coming up to us and show that it was like it was 98 percent flat uh, in homestead during qualifying wow remember that yeah that was like uh that i was breaking sense. yeah no like insane and uh, and uh, at the same time uh, uh him making the most stupid mistake in Vancouver, hitting the wall uh, on this uh, practice, uh, because uh, at least, you know, based on what his dad said, you know, I thought he didn't prepare himself; he was not focused enough on that. And, uh, but again, you know, you know, what I really th- when I re- when I look at Greg, uh, and I think the young generation need to really remember is the fact that uh, talent is what counts, mm. speed is what counts. Speed comes from God. He had a lot of speed. It was very natural. Uh, yeah, he had to clean himself up in, in some of the straight road courses and stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think that nowadays uh, people believe that uh, you've got to build yourself, right?
3: And uh, uh, yeah, he, was, he was the 0.1%, wasn't he? He was that exceptional talent. He was that. Remember he qualified on though in Houston yeah. on the road course. I mean, he, he, could, and he won in Detroit. He. The problem his last season '99, the Mercedes was not competitive. Yes. not competitive mm-hmm. and on road street courses, and, and that was it, it. Was a it was
4: a shackle to him, wasn't it? You yeah. Know? Well, not only that is the bravery was way up there too. Oh my word! You <laughs> know, yeah. like there was nobody that like. I remember the first. I remember the first time he beat me straight up. We were in Motegi, and it was late in the race, like literally last lap, last corner. He got me. And we went down the back straightaway, and I covered him, and I'm like, okay, I got him beat now. And we go into turn three, four, and it's, you know, then it was speedway wings, and you were fucking flying down straightaway. Like 227, break, downshift a couple gears, and then back to the throttle hard. And I, like... Can hear somebody and then I see it. I see this blue car on my outside and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> <And> I'm like <laughs> and he's he came around the outside of me and beat me to the line and I was kind of I was kind of pissed about it and we go through turn one and two and I pull up beside him on the back straightaway and I look over and he's just like he's just waving at me like this like he was like you can see the smile in his helmet how happy he was I was kind of yeah. Know, yeah. Ha- Cacked off right, about yeah. it, but
3: yeah. you couldn't. You know, I was like, "Holy shit! How would he pull that off?" He you loved know? doing that. He loved just hanging <laughs> the thing out on the edge more than anybody I've ever seen. And it was just from the first time I watched him, I was doing DTM, sitting watching him in Norbert Haug in Germany, watching you guys go around. I'm like, "Who is this kid?" He loved to hang the thing right out on the edge, um, and that's how I, I guess I'll always remember him doing yeah. that. I, don't know, want to I remember that, the yeah.
0: obvious, but. We have Paul Tracy, Max Pappas and Dario Franchitti saying, This guy is brave, brave. when most people look here for the standard for bravery, I mean that yeah. that I, I, says something.
4: Well he was a guy that he loved the outside. Yep. He'd be on the outside of the oval, in the worst put yourself in the worst possible position. You know, that's like the place like you put yourself in a, in a bad position when you're on the outside. And he, he loved being out there. And that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that was ultimately what was the downfall because he was way on the outside trying to pass a bunch of cars and yep.
3: and lost it. And you, you knew the lap before. He was having a ball. He was yeah, passing yeah. cars left and right, just having a ball. You yeah. just know he was. That was, that was what he, yeah. he, he loved. I, I don't know if I ever told you that, Dario,
1: but, like, uh, that day in Fontana, we were walking, you know, Greg, uh, the player's trailer was here, the Rahal trailer was here. No, he got he hurt his his hand.
4: He shouldn't have uh, actually been driving. Yeah, <clears throat> like nowadays people would tell you not to drive, but back then when you hurt when you were goofing off and you hurt yourself, you're like sucked it up and got yeah, in the car. Yeah. But nowadays drivers don't do that. And, I mean,
1: you know, yeah, like yeah. And I remember we were walking to the grid.
3: I am um, what,
4: what was the real story on, on, the, on the scooter thing
3: How did he fall off that thing I think a lady reversed out Or something And he was going along and Yeah was with Not paying attention Looking
2: it at, was at a girl a He's probably looking, like a yeah, was looking at a girl exactly It was Karen McDougal <laughs> uh, Yes
1: <laughs> So what he did We're walking up there I'm starting uh, the first 2-3 road And Greg is last I was at the back too with him. Oh really Yeah So I mean I remember like Like if it's today He, he looks at me and says You see the pylon? Give me 10 laps. You're going to see my name. I said, ah, 20, no, 10. It's it's not car number 99. Last, I was, I think after two laps, I was in the lead. And I look and I say, shit.
3: Here he comes.
1: 22nd, 20, 12. (laughs) And and I went like, it's going to be here. Like, you know, give another five laps, he's going to be here. And, uh, but again, you know, I, this is how I personally see how, it's gonna, how it went down. And I, have, I told this to Rick as well. I have this picture. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe it's me uh, that I look at it in this way. But I see him losing it in Fontana, sideways, he's floored, smoke coming out. And goes like,
4: yeah, guys, look at this, bam.
1: <laughs> Something happened. He wakes up and he goes, like, where am I? What happened? And uh, so I'm gonna have to answer the, ask that uh, when I go and meet him up there. <laughs> uh, but I I think is you know, if he would have made that uh, he would have he would have still been here telling us how awesome was that saying. Yeah. Unfortunately it didn't happen and uh, but I, I can tell you I doubt that would have, that was any Anything than a smile on his face, or anything than wow, look at me, how badass I am. Yeah,
3: he didn't like yeah. confidence, did he? And that was in that accident. In
4: today's <laughs> world, would have been no big deal. Yeah. To, with now with the pavement and everything, the way tracks are designed now, I mean that was a really bad design with the grass and then the pavement. He hit that pavement, and then the thing started to roll. And that was, you know, these are the things we learn now. You know,
1: yeah. Yeah, but the, the, again, you know, when I look at that, uh, sometimes uh, I see, you know, the tone of our even our conversation going down. But I honestly, I I can't do that. I I, no. I, I only I always remember and think about uh, his smile, him showing up in Portland with his H one. Uh, uh, it did, oh, and driving for like 70 seven miles. miles an hour that The whole Viper. way The Viper The back window, <laughs> yeah. window fell out What? The back window fell out of his Viper yeah. it, it, it was always a story Like there was always something It was never like a dull moment You should go up and You, should, you go and visit him at Maple Ridge And where do you go? It takes you to the, the mechanical bull You know yeah. and, and so it's like It's not Oh let's go and have a drink No I've got to the mechanical
3: bull! Life was for living. <laughs> Every minute of life was for living. He's one of those guys you would get the phone call in the morning or if you were staying at the house. <laughs> right. We're going to do stuff. What are we doing? I don't know. Stuff. <laughs> we're going riding bikes. We're going to play golf. We're doing this. We're doing that. Just all the time. And At first after his accident it was very sad you know, for a long time yes. but then it became we could look back and, and look back with happy memories and we could talk about it and stuff and that uh, that took a long
2: time but it's to look back now in 20 years you know it's, it's crazy I think it was really cool from my perspective because I came in about the same time you guys all did was to see how genuine the relationships were with that group. And everyone was similar, like you said. Everyone was single. We're going to Australia. We're going to Brazil. We're having fun. Well, I, w- the- I was, and I went through a couple wives. And- <laughs> I, got, I got grounded. Just, just, I got grounded from a lot of fun. not I didn't, I didn't get a, I didn't get a hall pass. <laughs> you get half of it. And, and to see it was incredible. What I really liked, I do all the press conferences. These guys would be on the podium together, and they just... Busted their ass for a couple hours, fought, you know, tooth and nail against each other, and the first guy to congratulate them would be Greg to Dara, Dara to Greg, Max PT, and it was really cool to see that how much they respected and appreciated each other's talent, and I thought it was very special during that era. Yeah,
1: I took that for granted. I thought that that uh, was uh, how uh, you had to be. Uh, Basically, because Greg made us, made me feel that this was the way that, to be, and uh, you know, now when I look back, uh, I really think how fortunate we were.
3: We were brothers. We yeah. we are still brothers. Yeah. We yeah. lived through something at some, a time when we were even at the time we were brothers, and um, yeah. it's um, it was a if it's a club, it was a really and is a cool club to to be part of. We we shared some really really special stuff. All of us from that period. Thank you
4: so much, guys. And Thank the you. crazy part is Tony's still driving. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> 350 races after. Can you now, make should it? we I tell know. folks, should we close why Mr. Kanon isn't here? Tony had a bad day. Tony had a bad day. Tony
3: had a, So he's working with his engineer. They've had a hard bad season. So, um, unfortunately, TK is not here. Um, we just told him to turn the timesheet upside down. You're fastest, brother. Exactly.
1: He yeah, told me that, basically, he needs to find something. And I say... I, th- I thought you were looking for that From day one,
0: 2019
1: Ooh. So Anyway, so It's uh, too bad But we still love him It's still part of the picture Yet he had hair back then Bad hair, by and, the way Bad I mean, hair, bad hair. Um, and, Terrible uh, But I mean, he's justified You know, we are You know, he's doing TV I, I'm the steward. Can not believe that you're ruining people's races? Yeah, yes, no. we hear that all the time. He is the fake consultant. Is <laughs> the, the only one who actually get paid uh, legit to be here. Is <laughs> done.
3: No comment. Well done. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you,
0: guys. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks, thanks, thanks everybody. everybody. Thank you, fellas. Ah, uh, fake consultant. Oh, thanks, fellas. That was a lot of fun. And that was Greg Moore at twenty with Dario Franchitti, Max Pappas. Paul Tracy, and Mike Zizzo. If you'd like to watch the video version of this, please visit YouTube forward slash Marshall Pruitt. And if you'd also like to sample the 600 plus podcasts in our archive, MarshallPruittPodcast.com is your destination.